Welcome to Herrick Does That, a podcast on current legal topics, relevant industry and legal trends, and significant developments in the law, brought to you by the attorneys of Herrick Feinstein. I am Belinda Schwartz, Herrick's Executive Chair, and I want to thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Herrick Does That. I am Max Nowak, a counsel in Herrick's White Collar Defense, Securities Enforcement, and Corporate Litigation Groups, and I'm very excited to spend some time with you today. I have the pleasure to sit down in conversation with my colleague, Ron Levine, to discuss effective pitches. Before joining Herrick, um, I I was in-house counsel at at a large global real estate and hospitality company. And, uh, you know, being back at a law firm, but previously having been in-house, I have had the benefit of both pitching and being on the receiving end of pitches by outside counsel. I wanted to sit down with Ron today, who is a very experienced litigator who has over 45 years of practice, 15 of which as the co-chair of Herrick's litigation department. He has also served as the firm general counsel. And I wanted to hear from Ron a little bit about what he thought made an effective pitch and what made a less effective pitch. Recently, Ron has undertaken to write up lessons learned in client development for the LexisNexis Practical Guidance Series. This year, uh, Lexis has published a five-part series on private practice, which Ron authored, including a piece on pitching business, uh, which was part of the inspiration for today's conversation. Ron is going to share with us some of those best practices, and our hope is that this will benefit both in-house counsel and lawyers in private practice. Uh, Again, the goal is going to be to help general counsel streamline the process for pitching and selecting counsel and help uh, outside counsel be more effective and strategic when thinking about what information they would like to convey to in-house counsel. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Ron, let's play a little game. Uh, Let's do a hypothetical. Let's say uh, you are called by uh, an in-house counsel. They uh, would like you to come and do a pitch. Let's say it's for a large class action. Um, Can you please tell us, share with us, what some of the first things that you are going to do when you are faced with this exciting and potentially significant opportunity? Sure. Fortunately, we've had these opportunities and we've been successful in pitches uh, in the past. What I would normally do first is I would probably go online and learn as much about the case as I can. I'd pull the pleadings, find out who the parties are, see what the story is, and perhaps look for other similar class actions to get a lay of the land about the kind of case we're being asked to defend. If it's a existing client, uh, this may not be necessary, but if it's a um, potential new client, I would try to find out as much as I could about the company itself and walk in knowing the industry, knowing the competition, knowing the background of the class action, uh, finding as many articles as I could about what's going on and, and not go in and ask the company questions such as, tell me something about your company. You should walk in and be as familiar with the company as possible. Um, I would certainly uh, tailor work on tailoring the presentation and the team to the needs of the client. If it's a certain industry and there are attorneys at the firm who are familiar with that industry, I'd probably be looking to them to join the, the uh, pitch team and speak to them as well for their background. But um, finally, I probably would also be doing as much research on the judge as possible if, if it's already in, you know, an active litigation and walk in and explain something about the judge's 
history with this type of case, how the judge handles class action, our familiarity with the judge, and our prior experience with the court. And I'd probably be asking my colleagues as much as possible about you know their experience before that judge. Ron, thanks for that. Um, I think you have provided us a really great um, outline of some of the initial steps um, that a lawyer wants to take when they're preparing for a pitch, gathering intelligence, researching the client, and tailoring a presentation and thinking about how you uh, may uh, create a tailored presentation um, that addresses uh, potential issues you may find in the uh, representation. When I was in-house counsel, I really appreciated when outside counsel clearly came to a pitch, whether formal or informal, having done their homework. Uh, can you please get more specific with us about what information an attorney should um, try and gather, uh, you know, or, or try and share with a client uh, in a pitch meeting? It's really important to speak to the host of the meeting uh, at the client side in advance to get as much intelligence as possible about what the client's looking for and even your potential competition. Uh, so you can position yourself as well as possible at the meeting. For example, how many lawyers do you expect to see working on the matter? Uh, clients are very, very sensitive, of course, to cost. And if you show up with a team of, you know, of, uh, 10 people, that may turn off uh, the deciders very quickly. So you may want to show up with a very lean team uh, for the meeting. They, the client, you want to know uh, how the client handles matters insofar as does the client want to do work or do they want to just basically assign the matter to the law firm and do as little as possible. So that's very important when you go to the meeting. Because sometimes clients have a very sophisticated legal team or have briefs and uh, papers already prepared and ready to go from other similar matters and doesn't expect the outside firm to start reinventing the wheel. So you have to be very flexible and very open to what the client's looking for and try to accommodate the client's desires as much as po possible. I'd want to know who's going to be at the meeting to know um, something about them because I might uh, look for attorneys at, at my firm who know um, the people who are going to be representing the client at the meeting, so there can be some kind of uh, familiarity between them. Uh, I would also try to find out, and often clients don't want to share this, who my competition is for the uh, case. I wouldn't ever recommend going in and demeaning in any way the competition, but you do want to draw comparisons between your firm and the other types of firms which are being considered so that you can uh, address why your firm is the best candidate for the for the job. Finally, I'd want to know something about the client's attitude about bills and billing and whether or not they're looking for some kind of special uh, fee arrangement so I can discuss that in advance at the firm and be prepared to uh, try to accommodate what the client's looking for. Ron, are there certain... Um physical tools that you like to bring to a pitch, whether it's, uh, you know, creating and disseminating a PowerPoint, um, an outline of a brief, um, anything like that? Yeah, I've tried everything. Um, I think that uh, too often lawyers like to do things like PowerPoints because it's kind of a crutch and uh, it's already prepackaged by the firm and they can bring it in. It looks nice. But I would stay away from um, 
things which divert from the talking face. And I'd rather be looking people in the eye and, and having a, a more a better conversation. Also, PowerPoints kind of lock you into a sequence and you're not as flexible to deal with what the client's looking for. Uh, and the clients often will sort of not pay attention when you're doing a PowerPoint. A, a brief um, or models are also good thing perhaps after the fact. What I try to do and what I found most successful is to bring a one-page agenda with bullet points so the client sort of knows what you're trying to cover, knows how far along you are. If there's something really important you want to bring up, it's on the it's on the short agenda and you'll get to it. And they also know they know when you're coming to the end because many times there's meeting with the numerous firms um, on one day and they're anxious to sort of get you in and out as quickly as possible. Um, but uh, so it's I hand out a uh, a short agenda on a one page. One thing that when I was in house counsel, I thought the firms that stood out made time to ask the client questions to, I think, to help the firm understand what the client's true goals are uh, with the representation, you know, whether or not the client um, is thinking about this particular matter just as a one-off or there are broader global concerns about how uh, a litigation, you know, may impact a, a client's business, you know, in, in the broader sense. How do you make time in a pitch to suss that information out, um, and how do you do it without being so, you know, so obvious that, that, that that's what you're you're doing, or, or maybe you are obvious about it? In my articles, I've made the point that a successful pitch involves listening much more than talking. Uh, clients do appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and to tell you what's going on and to ask questions. Unless you listen to the client, you're not going to know what their goals are. Are they looking, uh, too often lawyers walk in and think that all the client is looking for is a uh, is a gunslinger who's gonna just go, you know, take the case to the ends of the earth. And um, they may be looking for a quick settlement, for example. And that's a very different approach than someone who wants to take the case to trial. Other clients never want to settle a case, and uh, that's a part of their business model. For example, in the media, there are some publications which will never settle a libel case. And to walk in and say, let's start talking about settlement, that may be the end of the conversation. They'll say, this is a firm that's afraid to try a case and is just looking to bail out on them. So you need to know, you know what the client's goals are uh, before um, you go too deep into it. The other thing is to know Sometimes clients just want to posture and will act uh, very, very bullish just because they think they want to impress the outside counsel or, or impress on them the desire to really be aggressive. But in their heart of hearts, they're looking for you know less expensive settlement, but they're afraid to discuss it. So one of the things I mentioned in one of my articles is that you should take a piece of paper and uh, draw a line down the middle and ask the client to write um, down at the top what they would like to happen and at the bottom of the page write down what they think will happen so um it's often different so uh that's that's my my thoughts on that but uh, try to get as much truth out of the client as possible you know I, i'll say um ron I, I think your thoughts on on how to approach a successful pitch are, are spot on you know when i was sitting in the other chair i i wanted outside counsel to come in 
to uh, try and understand my client's goals because I, um, you know, had, had worked for a very interesting client that had a, a large sprawling um, business. Um, but I also appreciated, uh, you know, someone who came in um, with a, a certain um, specific thought out plan of attack and would be able to break down that plan of attack step by step to help me understand, you know, perhaps it's a, a, an area of the law I'm not familiar with that I need to go back to my business client and explain to a CEO, you know, something about a patent case and I know nothing about a patent case. So how did you help, you know, in a pitch, how would you think about um, how to translate complicated legal issues to, um, you know, perhaps in-house counsel who may not be familiar with an area of law? How, how do you do it without being demeaning? Uh, I would um, probably put that up front in the uh, in the conversation and find out from the client how much familiarity. You don't want to insult the client, of course, if they're extremely knowledgeable. Most of the uh, matters like a class action, when I've dealt with clients, they've been familiar with their business and with the competition and with the matter at hand, but they may not be familiar with what a class action entails, for example, and they may be slightly embarrassed to ask too many questions or may have a, um, a wrong impression. They also are maybe sitting in front of uh, attorneys who work for them, assistants, et cetera, and they don't want to seem not knowledgeable in front of the people they work with. So you want to be as respectful as possible about that. I would often try to find out in advance from the host of the meeting who invited me how much information they need um, about the type of legal matter it is. Uh, so you don't waste a lot of time going through the um, you know, the the legal processes and running a law course while you're doing that. But um, that is a really good point. Um, what did you find, Max, uh, impressed you in terms of uh, educating you? I'm sure you had a very wide variety of legal problems when you were um, in-house from outside counsel to, to help ease your understanding of what was going on. Was there any things that you found very helpful? Yes, I, I, that's a great question, Ron. I tended to gravitate towards, you know, the law firms and the lawyers that would come in and would be blunt and honest with me. Um, it's not helpful, you know, a large chunk of in-house counsel's job is managing, you know, expectations of the internal client, um, whether it's timing outcome, you know, cost, etc. Um, and so it's not helpful if a comment, if a firm comes into a pitch meeting and says, we are the best lawyers who have ever thought about this type of legal issue. Um, you know, just let us handle it. Don't worry about it. It's all going to go away when that may not be the case. Right. Uh, and we all know, especially in complicated issues, it can be difficult to very accurately handicap potential outcomes. Um, and so that's fine. Just be honest with me. Um, I also appreciated law firms, uh, you know, when I dealt with, again, with the subject matter that, um, you know, may not have been my bread and butter. So, um, you know, I spent the first, uh, you know, around decade of my career doing white collar defense and securities litigation, um, you know, in, in enforcement work. And so, you know, we had an IP investigation and we had a really great lawyer come in and he had looked me up. He knew my background 
and was able to discuss, you know, complicated IP issues with me and draw, you know, um, you know, find analogs to the, you know, the areas of law where I was more experienced. And I, I will tell you, I hired that lawyer on the spot um, because he made me as his in-house client feel empowered. And I felt like I would be um, in, in good hands with that lawyer and that firm. So um, I, I really thought uh, it was excellent. Ron, throwing it back at you here, you know, you've done your homework. You thought about your pitch. You've thought about, you know, who's going to come to the meeting. You've thought about staffing. You've thought about budget. You've done all of that. You're now at the live performance, uh, so to speak. Um, do you have any advice on how to d- actually deliver the successful pitch? Yeah, I, I think that passion is the number one uh, thing you want to show when you show when you go to a meeting. That is that you're enthusiastic about the opportunity and that you care about the client and about the in-house counsel as well. One of the um, things I, I always took away from these meetings is that the in-house counsel is very concerned about not being embarrassed, uh, having confidence that it's going to go well because they're, this is their only client. That you know, the in-house counsel doesn't have numerous clients and, and can't afford to be uh, sort of uh, embarrassed or or um, or things go poorly for the client. So you want to be honest with them. You don't want to promise them something that you can't deliver and put them in an embarrassing position where they have to go back to their CEO and say, "Well, I hired this law firm and they told me this X would happen and you know it didn't happen that way." So honesty is important and to give the in-house counsel the the sense that. It will be under control and they will know how things are going and they're not going to be surprised either by a bill or by a court decision or something else that's going to go south for them. And they then have to go back and explain why you were hired in the first place. So I think that uh, honesty, I I agree with you, is totally important. But to give the client the sense that they'll be in good hands and they'll be safe using you and you will, you know, you'll do a good job for them and basically deliver what um, you promise and not something else. It isn't a crapshoot and let's see how it goes and I'll let you know in, in a year how things are going. Along those lines, I have done best when I know the adversary. Certainly in the class action area, um, there aren't a lot of law firms that were bringing the kind of cases that I was defending. So having had experience with that counsel and saying, look, this is how they're going to go. They're going to make this motion and if this motion gets decided, they're going to want to settle or they're going to want a quick settlement. And this is the range I've settled cases with this client. That is very, very helpful information um, and puts you in a far superior position to your competition who may not have had experience with the adversary. So that's something else that the client wants to hear. Ron, do you do practice runs on your pitches? Do you, do you have everyone say what they're going to say in advance? Uh, how do you approach that? Uh, yes, I would um, strongly recommend a practice run in advance of pitch. Uh, too often lawyers don't do enough preparation for these pitches. Uh, one thing, we lawyers like to hear themselves talk and sometimes you bring p- uh, attorneys to the pitches who just sort of monopolize the meeting or act like they're superior to the other people in the room. So you want to be clear on who's going to cover what issues um, and how long they're going to talk. You don't want to sort of fill up the air with one lawyer and each person's going to have their strength and something to contribute. Of course, you must be flexible, but um, I would strongly recommend an advanced preparation meeting. Ron, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about this. In a previous life, I went to a pitch with a fantastic trial attorney 
And um, we had gone so far as to develop our trial themes. And so we sat in front of a client and we said, look, we obviously know very little uh, about the facts, but from what you shared with us and the little that's publicly available, these are probably the types of things we would discuss. And the first seven lines of our opening argument at trial would be X, Y, and Z. How do you feel about something like that? I think it's great. I would act as if I got hired. And um, if you're offering up your special ability, uh, in hearing that, it sounds like, wow, I'm talking to a real trial lawyer who's actually thinking about, you know, their argument at trial or whatever. That suggests that this is um, someone who actually tries cases and is thinking about the matter in that way. The one thing that I, I would emphasize, again, which lawyers may not appreciate, is that uh, a very, very high percentage of cases get settled and they don't get uh, tried. I think certainly in the litigation business, too often we think that the client is looking to hire only a great trial lawyer, but there are other skills and other abilities in industries. I have a great deal of experience in the uh, consumer products industry uh, in class actions where there are basically no trials. And uh, clients have actually been turned off by lawyers who walk in and say, you know, we're going to try this case. And they're thinking to themselves, are you kidding me? We're never trying this case. We want someone who wants to know, knows how to settle cases, which is a very different skill. There are very great trial lawyers who aren't very good at settling cases, because all they know is how to, you know, do battle and they don't know how to do peace agreements. So um, you need to know the kind of lawyers the uh, client's looking for before you walk in. So that's a point I would emphasize. That is, are they looking for trial lawyers? You know, there aren't that many great trial lawyers, certainly on the civil side. That on the criminal side, there are many more trial lawyers because there aren't as many trials on the civil side. Are they looking for someone who has a long history of trials? Because I would be bringing those people to the meeting. Or are they looking for those who basically are very good at, you know, mediating and resolving matters? So um, sometimes a client doesn't know what they want, right? I mean, they're, they're still in fact gathering mode. So that leads me to my my next question, Ron, and I think the next phase in all of this. Um, I think it's rare to be retained at a pitch meeting. Usually, you know, there's some period of time afterwards. Um, do you have any thoughts on appropriate follow-up? How do you keep the momentum going from a strong pitch meeting? Well, yeah, that's a great question. You asked about uh, what you bring to the meeting originally. I wouldn't bring everything to the meeting. I'd be sending follow-up materials after the meeting so that they have that and emailing it to them after the meeting. That's one thing to sort of keep the momentum going. I wouldn't leave the meeting without a clear understanding of when you're going to hear back. Often lawyers say, thank you very much, and walk out of the room. Before you walk in the room saying, so uh, what's your timetable? When should we expect to hear from you? and take the client's lead on that. They say a week and a week passes and you don't hear from them. It's a good idea to give them a call. Um, you certainly should send them a thank you, even if you don't send anything afterwards, to thank them for their time after the meeting so that they know how much you appreciate the opportunity to make the presentation. But I would be following up as quickly as possible. These decisions, I mean, from your experience as well, are made quickly, especially when the matter is urgent and you know that they're, they're going to make a decision quickly. If you don't get hired, as we discussed earlier, I would certainly do a call and find out, you know, what happened, why didn't we get uh, hired is, is not an inappropriate question. And I think clients, uh, the companies are, are, are prepared to say, you know, but maybe next time we really liked you, but this wasn't the right matter for you, or so-and-so had something else. I actually found that often they would mention money 
as being a reason, that sort of safe reason, not that we didn't like your cologne or we didn't like your presentation, but it was, you know, it came down to dollars and cents and someone else, um, under that sounds like, okay, I got it. You know, that's why we didn't get hired. I think, Ron, you make an excellent point um, that just because you aren't hired for a particular matter, it doesn't mean that you're not liked or not seen as a potential future vendor for that company. And so having an in-house counsel hat on, I would I would tell outside counsel, um, stay positive, follow up, and um, you know f- find ways to to keep in touch. If you see uh, an interesting article, even if you or your firm didn't write the article, but you know it relates to something that I deal with or think about, you know, on a regular basis, send it to me. You know, use it as a way to to, to say hi. Um, you know, set up a, a docket alert. You know, send me if there's new matters filed against me. Hey, just wanted to make sure you see this because these are tools that sometimes, as in-house counsel, um, we don't have. Ron, is there anything else that you think that we should discuss? We've talked about, you know, preparing for a pitch. We've talked about building your pitch team, practicing for your pitch, materials to bring to the pitch, and, and the actual meeting and follow-up. Any any other words of advice for our listeners out there? Just that I think that we too often take this whole process, to, we're too um, lackadaisical about it or don't take it seriously enough. You don't get that many opportunities to pitch in a, in a month. You always are looking for new opportunities. So this is something you should take extremely seriously and make sure that everyone who's going to the pitch with you takes it equally seriously and isn't just going along for the ride, that uh, you all have to walk in the room ready to load it for bear. On behalf of you know all of us here at Herrick, just want to say thank you for you know everything that you do and for your time and your insights. We hope that this session has been useful to all involved and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you very much for joining us for Herrick's podcast, Herrick Does That. To learn more about our firm and to listen to additional podcast episodes, please visit us at www.herrick.com. Thank you.